Amen. New City Church. How are we doing this morning? Ooh, you can do better than that, man, right? Come on. Amen. Everybody get, no, we're good. We're still waking up. It's all good. So we got plenty of coffee. We're good. Good to see everybody. Everybody doing well this morning? Right on, right on, right on. Good to make sure nothing breaks because I do tend to break things. So I want to make sure we got plenty of room because I'm just going to be one of those days where I'm going to walk and trip and everything like that. Beautiful, man. That last song, dude. Come on. Always gets me, man. I'm not supposed to make me cry like that. So I'm a dude. Good to see you, man. Hey, good to see all the new faces. We got some new new people that I haven't seen before in here. Great to see you guys, man. Um, if I haven't introduced myself, I apologize. Uh, we want to get to know everyone's name. My name is Casey. I'm one of the folks uh, serving alongside you here as part of the uh, body of believers uh, here, a local body of believers called New City Church. Great to see everybody uh, doing what we're doing, man. It's been a beautiful morning, awesome morning so far today. The first service that we had uh, the 845 service was just killer, man. I got a feeling this one's going to be really good. Had a, uh, a dude, and you can be praying for, uh, if you don't know, Charles Rutledge. Charles Rutledge uh, actually brought uh, his clothes. His uh, family members did not know anything. Like She was sh- totally shocked that he was even going to get uh, baptized. Been a believer for about 33 years. And, uh, and when I, he just looked at me and says, I'm getting baptized today. Uh, okay. <laughs> big dude too I wouldn't argue with a guy you know so but he just said I'm gonna get baptized said, tell me about that what's up you know and he said man I I I've just been a believer for a long time and he goes I, and, I, and it's happening today I'm like all right so we got the waters ready pretty quick still a little chilly I think but uh however uh we it is ready and Charles got through it what's that speaking of chilly right no that's right hey speaking of chilly yeah we do have a super chilly cook-off we got a graphic up here for it and everything now I've heard uh, several people. How many people uh, think they can cook the best chili around? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got. I got some. You'll do it. You got it. All right. Cool. Cool. Cause I've heard a bunch. I've heard, oh, I heard. Oh, oh, Cindy. Cindy. Okay. She got pointed to. Oh, you've been nominated. Now I've heard a bunch of. I've heard a bunch of trash talking. Like, shoot, I got the best chili. Shoot, you ain't even got to have a competition because I'm gonna win. I'm just gonna present it, right? So here's what we're doing. All right, we got all these. If you get, if you look out right between the two bathrooms, if you go out to the side there, we've got what uh, we're gonna call it uh, February frenzy instead of March madness. We got all these places that are gonna host the chili cook-off, and so what we're gonna do is bring uh, different chilies to that to that house. That house is gonna determine which is the best chili, and then present that. Three weeks later, uh, in front of two certified, bona fide chefs that are going to take, and we're going to have the gnarliest, nastiest, funkiest trophy you've ever seen for this chili cook-off. And you've got to take that. If you're going to endeavor, endeavor in this endeavor, uh, you're, if you're going to do this, you've got to put that trophy in a prominent place in your home. That's kind of the idea, right? Whenever we give out trophies, they've got to be put prominently. So someplace where somebody can see. Uh, that kind of thing, but it really is a, get, a chance to get to know other people. One of the visions we have as a church is to get to know your name and know that you're known. It just devastates me when I forget somebody's name, and I've done it three times this morning. So if I keep asking what your name is, I apologize. I'm going to get it down. Sorry, uh, get it down, but um, but the vision we have is to get to know you and know your name. That's why we have the, 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 the sign-up sheets and things like that. We pray over the names. We want to get, get connect with folks that haven't been here for a little bit, and just see how they're doing, see how we can serve in, in, in the way that God wants us to serve. He's called us to do some incredible things in His name, 
uh, here, in our, here in our community. Amen? And so that's one of the reasons we want to do that. If you're new or if you haven't been with us in a while and you want to put uh, on, you know, on your Connect card just uh, your name and information, any prayer requests you want to have, man, we want to definitely get to, get to know you. Some of us right now, too, are going through a 40-day uh, fast, and, and we are, uh, some of us are, are doing absolutely no food. Some of us have restricted some things. Some of us have stopped doing sugar or something like that, but, but we're doing this for the 40 days, and you can even sign up for one day, or you can sign up for all 40 days. You can check it on your app. You can go onto the website. You can do all that kind of stuff. You can even put that down on your Connect card. I want to take next Tuesday or whatever, and I want to fast for that day. We are fasting specifically for God to continue to guide us and show us his favor and have his hand on us. We've got some great, amazing things happening this year, and we definitely don't want to get ahead of God, and we don't want to get behind God either. And so we want to collectively fast and pray for God's direction, for, for us as a church, for his favor and his hand to be on us as a church. Because if we get out under that protection, we're messed up. Amen? Like, so we are. We are. So, in the last few weeks, uh, we're going through this series called uh, Starting Over. And I love this series because um, it, it has, it, like, it's, it's generated a lot of conversation. And frankly, it's taught, like, several people have come to me and says, man, this has been stuff I've been hanging on to for a long time that I finally as we start talking through these things and realizing it's okay to give it up, that I don't have to be shackled or paralyzed in the, in the mission that God wants me to be on ever because of the regrets that I've done or things that have happened to me or whatever the regrets are. And I love those things. And I've shared with you guys over the last couple of weeks a couple of um, different things that I've regretted doing. And they've been kind of funny a little bit. Like I, uh, you know, and they have to, all of them have to do with burning or fire or something like that. Like I had extremely hot wings. I was in, trying to impress a, a lady uh, named Judy who wound up marrying me, right? So, so you had a choice, I, you know, but... Uh, you may regret this uh, this later, but I, I I literally was trying to impress her by eating the hottest wings that uh, on the planet, and it was a disaster. I told you about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, I chemically burned a senior in high school uh, that was working for me. So if you want to go back and hear those two uh, stories, go back on the Facebook Live or on the uh, website and just kind of listen to those stories. Uh, but this week involves actual fire, and. Um, if you guys don't know, I was, uh, for a long time, I was a, a roofer for about six years or so, and uh, it was bivocational here as a church for the first three years of, of uh, planting our church, and, and so uh, about a year ago, I stepped into some other things that, with New City globally and that, that kind of thing. I was able to step out of roofing, but I love roofing. I enjoy roofing. I sometimes have dreams about still missing doing some of the repairs and things that we used to do. And like I, I had a good time roofing. I enjoyed it. Some people think I'm crazy, and you probably are right, but I enjoyed the, you know, the hotter the better, the colder the better. I was just out there doing all that kind of stuff. And we happen to be, uh, you know, if you don't, if you've seen some of the pictures that I've shown before, I, you know, there have been times where I've been out on a, a ledge 26 stories up with a, just a nine-foot ledge. It's nothing but me in a harness, you know. It's just awesome. It's exhilarating and all kinds of adrenaline and stuff like that, that you can have when you're up that high. So I was on the commercial side doing a lot of the flat roofs. This roof was probably the, the lowest roof I've ever done. This was one story. It was a restaurant over in uh, Overland Park. And it was surrounded by large, tall, glass buildings that you could actually see uh, yourself. Actually, it was really clear, too. And I tell you that for a reason. You'll find out here in just a little bit. So one day, we were uh, doing this roof. We were doing the finishing touches on the roof. If you don't know what kind of roof we have, it's called TPO. It's a white roof. You see that on a lot of new construction right now. 
during construction, a lot of times you'll drive by and you'll see it kind of hanging over the edge a little bit. Well, what you have to do is you have to cut that to finish off the edge, put some metal down, and then you have to put something called cover strip because if you don't, then the water's going to leak on the edges and that's not a good thing ever, right? And so what you have to do, you have to roll this stuff called cover strip, comes in 50-foot rolls, and then you have to put something called a primer down first because if you don't, it'll eventually, in a couple of months, it'll just come off and, and that kind of thing. You want to make sure that's, that's set on the edges and it's done properly. So... What we were doing, we were finishing this off, and it was a pretty good size roof. I would say probably about uh, three times the size of this room. So what we were started doing, we started putting the, the edge on the perimeter, and we were realizing because of the temperature outside and the way these things have been stored, it wasn't rolling out right. Like it was kind of rolling out in, like it was bubbled and stuff, which is going to be a problem because in a couple of months it's going to pop up if we don't get it taken care of. So... One of the crew leaders had a really good idea. I thought it was brilliant. He says, hey, I've got a propane torch in my car, in my truck, which we, you know, we used to do torch down roofs and stuff like that. That's always fun, right? 110 degree, you know, 170 degrees on the roof and everything. You got torch and that's another, what could go wrong, right? But we don't use torches on this kind of material. Like, like you really just don't do that. But he said, well, you know, I could, we could roll it out. And as we roll it out, I could just kind of hit it with a torch and, you know, and let it sort of thaw out and stuff, and it, and it worked beautifully. It was a great idea until he took a break, right? And so we almost got done with the entire roof, and he was, we were about, about 90% done, and for some reason, he thought it'd be a good idea to go and smoke a cigarette over here, you know? So, so he did, and he started smoking a cigarette and everything like that, and he had his torch still lit just a little bit. Now, here's the thing about primer that we put down. It is extremely, extremely flammable. So here's what he does. So he, so he finishes his uh, break and everything like that. He turns around, accidentally kicks the bucket of primer over. So I've got this 10 foot by 10 foot pot, like puddle of primer, which is going to be a mess to clean up anyway. And when he does, he goes, oh, shoot, whoom. On top of a roof, 10 foot high flames, 10 foot by 10 foot puddle, and I'm freaking out. I'm thinking, we're all going to die, <laughs> You know, I'm like, I'm saying, I'm like screaming, yelling, man. So we got fire extinguishers we were required to have and stuff like that. And eventually it got out, you know, and, and I went down and started, you know, started trying to get anything I could out of our truck and that, that kind of thing. I went down the ladder and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and as I'm coming back up the ladder, I see this bucket fly. Somebody had kicked this bucket, right, on fire into the parking lot. And it's rolling around the parking lot. I mean, these people. Now, here's the thing. The people inside are freaking out because they're seeing this stuff, right? And they're seeing people screaming, and they're, they're trying to eat their chicken wings, right, which were probably not as spicy as the ones I had before. But they're in there just like, it's happy hour, man. It ain't very happy inside. I mean, they are flipping out because they can see the fire in the mirrored buildings right down the road. They're looking at it going, hey, there's a fire over there. Well, wait, wait, that's us, Right? And so, man, we got it all put out and everything like that. And, we got, and they're looking at all the stuff because there's windows everywhere. They can see everything going on, right? It was just awesome. So I had to go downstairs and say, nothing to see here, nothing to see. Don't worry about it. It's cool. Just a little fire. And they're saying, that fire was huge, man. I'm like, I know, but it just looked worse than it was. And I'm like, I'm, the whole time I'm sweating, my heart's pounding. I got adrenaline pumping. And I'm doing, whoa, you know. Like, it was crazy. I totally regret making that decision, right? It was a terrible decision because we've got other heat guns that don't have flames and we could have used those. But it seemed like a good idea at the time. Sometimes, guys, there are, there are regrets that we have that are 
that are funny and hysterical like that. And I do regret that. I almost lost my job, man. It was terrible. I had to explain to the boss why we had to spend an extra few hundred bucks to repair something that was so stupid and shouldn't have happened, right? Had to explain to the client what was going on. Why would you trust us at all now that we've got fire on top of you? Those kinds of things, right? But sometimes our regrets, man, are not funny at all. Like sometimes they're kind of weird or sometimes they're kind of uh, out of a sin or something that happened to us or something that has gone on. A couple of weeks ago, we learned what it means to love our regrets, which is so anti-counter to our natural self because like, we want to tend to whatever we regret and we're going to hate. We're gonna, but here's the deal. You have regrets that other people have too, and you have a me too story that you can reach people that some other people can't. Amen? For the Lord. Think about that. And so we can learn to love and embrace the regrets that we have and actually give them to God and let him do what he will with them. Last week, we learned what it means to actually recognize our regrets. Sometimes we have regrets we don't even know. Like all of a sudden, we're like things will pop up from, from memories of whatever. Like we got regrets of that kind of that stuff. And these kind of regrets that we've talked about, and you can fill this out in your bulletin. By the way, you've got a blank page in your bulletin. I'm going to have you use that at the end of the service. But the regrets that we have are, tend to be regrets of action, things that we have done that we regret. Regrets of inaction, the things that we wish we had done but we hadn't. And most of the time people put regrets in those two categories. But there's also a regret of reaction. These are things that, didn't, that had nothing to do with anything that I did, but those are things that th somebody did to me. And sometimes we've got regrets of, of reaction like that. Action, inaction, or reaction. Regardless of the kind of regret that we have, what the tendency is is for us to completely hate those things, be ashamed of those things, try to, in, in essence, what we talked about last week, like pushing that beach ball down into the water, right? Like eventually it's going to pop up. But if we're not careful, we're going to live our lives in defeat rather than in the victory that has already been promised by God because we're listening to the old coach, right? We're listening to the one that used to be call all the plays, but that punk got fired because he's a loser. Right? Yet we still listen to him. You're no good. You can't even play. Like, God, you're not even going to be used by God. You know what you did. You remember what happened to you. You remember the things that have done, been done. In Genesis 3, starting in verse 10, this is after Adam and Eve fell. They remember they got deceived by the serpent, right? They, they, did, they kind of twisted God's word and said, did God really say these things? And, and, and Eve took the the fruit, and she ate it, and then uh, Adam was there, and he was, rather than protecting her from all this, doing his job, she's pretty and naked, and he's like, yeah, I'll take some too, right on, right? So he eats it, and he's ashamed, and there's fallenness, and he's trying to hide from a regrettable thing that he did. And God says, Adam, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was, what, afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. And I love this question that, that God asks. It's one of the most profound, most uh, amazing questions, because it's sometimes it's the same question we can ask ourselves. And, and it's the same question, frankly, I think God is asking a lot of us when it comes to these regrets that we've done, because God is a God that redeems, not one that condemns, right? And I love this question that he asked. He said, then asked, who told you that you were naked? 
And I think the question for us is, like, who told you you can't be used by God? Who told you that that regrettable thing that you've done, whether it was yesterday, or yesteryear, decades ago, or you know, whatever it is, what, if you think it's a family legacy that you're regretting about, like, who told you that God can't use those things? Who told you that? It ain't God, right? God wants to use all that junk, all that mess, all that regret, whether it's something you did or something that was done to you, it doesn't matter. He wants to use it for his glory, and he will when we learn to love, recognize, etc., our regrets, and give those regrets to him. Last week, I introduced you to a guy named Greg who's struggled with alcohol and drugs and those kinds of things, man, and it was just a that was a powerful story, and he learned to recognize his regret, and, but that's not the end of the story. we got to do more than just recognize, and when he just recognized his regret and realized that it was, yeah, man, I can't do that anymore, it can set yourself up to fail if you don't deal with it properly. Here's the part two of his story. We'll hear it again, some of his story next week, too. Moving to Chicago um, and living with an aunt who was in recovery, even though I wasn't that attracted to the idea of, of AA meetings and recovery meetings, it was the only option that seemed available. So I found myself uh, beginning this path of recovery in Chicago. I stayed sober and um, a lot of great things happened. My family got back together. I graduated college and it was great. You know, all these good things happened. I felt very at peace with who I was and where, where I sat in the world. And so I'm mistakenly thought that those feelings of insecurity and those feelings of being lost and all that confusion that I had growing up was the reason I couldn't drink like other people. And so I thought since I'd solved these issues, uh, obviously I had solved any problem with alcohol or drugs and I can now go out and have a beer with a, and with a person and it wouldn't have any power over me. So I was probably about four or five years into sobriety um, that I made a conscious decision to do a little experiment and see if I could drink again. There were three rules that I had. Uh, one rule was that I was only going to have three drinks. So I decided that I didn't want to go home with a stranger that night. Um, so that was rule number two. But rule number three was that I wanted to make it to work the next morning. So three drinks, no going home with strangers, and waking up and going to work the next day. And so what happened was I have no idea how many drinks I had. Um, I don't have any idea what her name was, and, um, and I did not make it to work the next day. So I'm drinking all the time, um, but I'm not really ever hitting a bottom because I have, I mean, frankly, because I, I have all this stuff, I have all this money. I don't know how long that would have continued on um, had I not been tricked into trying cocaine one evening. And by tricked, I mean I was drunk, and someone laid out a pile of cocaine, and I did a big... Stevie Nicks rail and instantly I knew this was going to be a problem. And the thing about cocaine and, uh, and later on crack is that it will instantly, no matter how much you have, it will take it away. And I'm kind of feeling at a loss of not knowing what to do. And so I called a friend of mine, uh, Grant, and I saw that he had something that I didn't have. He was open to talk about anything I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to talk about God. He suggested that maybe I should try going to a church. And so I was out in a treatment center in Oregon, and they would, you know, bus, bus us to church on Sunday mornings. And so I decided to go with them one day, and I hadn't been in a church for a very long time. And they began talking to me and making me feel welcome and inviting me to small groups and 
I explained that I, I'm not going to live here, that I'm you know, going back home to Chicago. And um, the couple that I was talking to said, oh, that's great, we have a daughter that lives in Naperville. Um, you should probably talk to her. She happens to be visiting this weekend. Turns out she goes to the very church that I was thinking about going to check out, and she invited me to, um, to come by. And I, to this day, I have no idea who she was or who they were, um, none. I, I don't recall, but that began me coming back to church and, and finding my way back to God. Not only am I not drinking and doing drugs, but I've now found my way back to God. I'm attending church. Um, my career is great. It's never been better. Uh, I'm serving with the high school students, and, uh, and I end up meeting a girl there who's today my wife. Uh, so, frankly, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I mean, things couldn't get much better than, than they were going. And so I forget to pay attention to the fact that even though everything's good, there's still certain things I shouldn't do in life. And suddenly I find myself thinking, uh, as we're out to dinner one night, um, that maybe it's a good idea if I order a glass of wine with dinner. Honestly, that was the beginning of a very, very long and ugly, painful cycle in my life. That glass of wine quickly became cocaine and that quickly became uh, heroin. I found myself at a place that I just never thought I would ever get to, and that's alone and homeless and hurting everyone that ever comes into contact with me because they try to help, and I just, I just break their heart again and again. It's amazing when we don't deal with it in the right way and, and complete the dealing with our regrets, you know, what, what Grant's going through and what tends to happen for us, as I've showed you this the last couple of weeks, but I think it's a powerful graphic. We got this, uh, this sorry cycle where we have this regret, right? And we, we tend to, to want to deal with it, so we long to go make it right with it or, you know, apologize or reconcile or whatever it is that we long to do, or we long for the time before the regrettable thing happened, right? And yet, we never actually deal with it or learn to deal with it. And if we're not careful, then it will shackle us and paralyze us for the rest of our lives unless we learn to actually deal with it and start over. Like, God wants that starting over, that new, fresh, like, like he wants that regret to be handed to him so that he can handle it because he's got a lot more power than anybody here has. Amen? So what we want to do today is learn to release our regrets to God. Release them. See, last week we talked and, and went through about a, a chapter and a half of Scripture of, uh, in 2 Samuel where David did something absolutely completely deplorable. If you don't know the, who David is, he's the, he's the guy as, as a youth uh, killed Goliath the giant. He was named by God, called by God to be the king of God's people. And he was a really, really good man. In fact, he's described as the, uh, a man who is, af is, a, is a man after God's own heart. Like he thought and his thoughts were like, like in his character and all the different things, his administration was impeccable, right? And he did something out of, like, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he saw a, a lady on top of a roof, and she was naked, and he called for her. And they, they slept together, and she got pregnant. Now, the problem, there are a whole lot of problems here, but she was married to one of, uh, one of uh, King David's greatest soldiers named Uriah. And so to try to cover it up, he had Uriah 
go, come back home and try to say, okay, yeah, you go home and, and it, it will look like, she, like, she's, like you made her pregnant and stuff. Well, he didn't because he's a soldier who's at war and all of his guys were, and this guy was had impeccable character. So to try to further cover things up, David looked at, looked at like, sent word for him to be put on the very front lines where he was sure to be killed, and, and he was. So in one chapter of the Bible, David almost obliterates the entire Ten Commandments. He committed murder. He lied. He coveted. He committed adultery. All those things. Like it's, a, it's amazing when you look at the character of David before and after that. You're like, who is this guy? And then Nathan, his friend and prophet of God, comes to him and confronts him with the sin. And, and he responds by saying, I have sinned against the Lord. See, sin is not something, guys, that, that we, need to, we, we need to understand what it is. It is simply being outside the balance of what God wants. It's called shalom. You hear the, a lot of Jewish people say, hey, shalom, uh, you know, it's a greeting. But it really means peace with God. It's homeostasis, if you will, in the scientific world of, of, of the spiritual world, right? It's like if you wanna, want it to be right with God. And when we're out of balance and when we're not doing what he wants, that's what sin, is, in essence, is. And so when David says, I have, I have sinned against the Lord, I have been out of shalom with God, right? I'm not walking with him. I'm not in step with him. So I want to give you a guide here that I think will help us a little bit, and then we'll get into some of the scripture and review, and then I've got something I want you guys to do. It's called the Regret Troubleshooting Guide. And you can write this down in your bulletin here and, and kind of take some notes here. But I've got four questions for you. Question number one, do you regret hurting someone else? Something you did that harmed someone else, whether it was physical or spiritual or financial or whatever it is. Our regrets can a lot of times seem the harshest when they involve other people. And, and we tend to say, oh man, I, I, I'm so, I don't even want to go help like, like make this right. I'm so ashamed and all that kind of stuff about what I did to that person. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and this is the hard part, I want you to go ask forgiveness from that person if they're still alive. Go ask forgiveness. Guys, I'm telling you, I've watched people do this, and I've talked to people when this happens. Some of you are thinking, someone, I can't go talk to it. Man, I'm telling you, what's the worst that could happen, right? Nothing, right? I mean, what's the worst? They could not, they could not accept your, your, they could not accept, who knows? But at the very least, guys, we've taken a step of obedience and starting to walk in step with God, trying to get into that, back into that shalom because of something we've done with somebody. Now, if the person is dead, just say, God, you know, like, like this is something you have a conversation with God about. But understand this, God can make anything happen. Like you give this stuff to God and release this to God, whatever it is, dead or alive, whether it's that you've done something, man, give that to God, let him deal with it. Because here's what you will have. You will have, man, this is what God did in my life when I let him have it. Because there's going to be complete, like, there's going to be people that come to you. I hear this all the time. And because I'm a pastor, I hear it a lot of times because people seem to confront, like come to me and go, yeah, I, I would come to church or I would come to the Lord, but, but you just don't know the kind of stuff that I've done. And I'm like, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about, right? It's like, let it go. Release that to him. Easier said than done, absolutely. It's a hard thing. This is the hard thing hard thing about being a Christian is that we do things nobody else would do because we have a God that nobody else has. They're trying to, to push everything else. He's available to everybody. 
but few people actually step into what he wants. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live in shalom with everyone, right? Question number two, do you regret committing a sin? This is the reason Jesus came. Everybody has fallen and destined for destruction until Jesus comes in and, and intervenes for us on our behalf. We accept that we are saved. Amen? That's the reason he came. We're all going down that road, right? And so a lot of times we think, well, God will never, uh, never accept what I've done. He'll never forgive me for what I've done. So we've got this perfect standard of God, and we all of a sudden say, my standards are higher than his, man. I don't think so. He's reached out with his son and says, no matter what, there's still time if you've got breath in your lungs, right? If you commit, if you regret committing a sin, that sin that puts a distance between me and God and you and God, if we only regret getting caught, we really haven't recognized our regret. But this is a genuine, God, I am sorry. Like you go to him and you make it right. Yes, he's already done the work. Yes, there's forgiveness absolutely at hand. But there's still a relationship and still a, a conversation that should happen with God. A genuine, heartfelt, God, I am sorry for what I've done. It's all right. Let him have it. Because this is what David did. I'm going to re repeat Psalm 51. It's so powerful. Because this is how, as all that jacked up stuff that he did, listen to his prayer in Psalm 51. It says, be gracious to me, O God. How dare he say that? The audacity of this guy. A murderer, an adulterer, a liar, a stealer. According to your faithful love. Holy audacity is what I like to call it. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight. So you're right when you pass sentence. You're blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. Guys, we're born, this, we're born fallen, right? That's why we need this Savior. We're, we're headed for that, for that way. A lot of people say, well, people are born, born okay. No, not according to Jesus, right? Not according to the word not according to to god indeed i was guilty when i was born i was sinful when my mother conceived me that's heavy surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within purify me with hyssop and i will be clean wash me and i will be whiter than snow let me hear joy and gladness let the bones you have crushed rejoice turn your face away from my sins this is audacious for him how dare he? Who is he to ask God? He's God's. Right? He's not just royalty in the worldly sense. He's royalty like you and me. He's a prince of a king. And you can be a prince or a princess of a king if you accept his free gift. Walk in his ways. Because I'm telling you, God is calling us, a lot of us, to say stop walking like a pauper in the in the lord like stop doing that walk like a royal son and a royal daughter about to inherit a kingdom that nobody can fathom walk that way in him right humbly yes absolutely before other people absolutely man with, with a godly swagger that only he can make us in our hearts turn your way your face away from my sins and blot out 
all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit, Old Testament here, right, from me. Verse 12 and verse 13. We talk about bold. We talk about somebody who, who, yeah, I know what I did, Lord, but I recognize it and I'm releasing it to you. And here's what he's begging God to do. Not restore my salvation. Not restore what you gave me before. He says, restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. And then I will teach the rebellious your ways. And sinners will return to you. God, I'm begging you for this. And when I, man, you do this and he does. I'm going to show everybody that's, that's suffering from these regrets, that's dealing with the sin in their lives, that don't know you. I'm going to share with them what you've done for me. And they're going to turn back to you, God. How wonderful is God? Like, not only does he restore, just he restored Peter, man, it's awesome. Like, Peter jacked up, messed up, denied him three times. He says, hey, yeah, I'm restoring you. Go feed my sheep. That's what he's asking us to do, too. Help people that don't know him to know him and be restored to him. And sinners, the lost, will return to him. Question number three, do you regret making a mistake? may not even been an intentional one. I want you to forgive yourself. God wants you to forgive yourself. And question number four, do you regret being hurt by someone or something? It had nothing to do with anything you did. Somebody did something to you. Forgive the offender. Casey, you don't understand what I've gone through, man. You, you walk a mile a mile shoes and tell me that, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, try it. Yeah, it sounds good uh, from a preaching standpoint. Yeah, my, my heart's all, all messed up right now. My mind's all messed up and making me feel guilty and stuff like that. I get that. Yeah, but you don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand what I did. You don't understand what they did to me. And you're right. Anybody that tells you, oh, I totally understand what you're going through, man. They, no, they don't. They're, they're either mistaken or lying. They may be even trying to tell you and help you through some stuff. But all I got is Jesus, man. All I got is the word of God. And that's one of the things I love about just, I don't have to come up with any of this stuff. I say, hey, I'm just a messenger, man. If you've got a problem, talk to Jesus about this, right? But Jesus, in his very first public ministry sermon, stepped out on a plain, of a, a flat part of the mountain, and spoke to a whole bunch of, of people. And it was his first time he ever publicly started preaching like this. And listen to what he said, and a lot of you know this, but it's the Lord's prayer. It's a model prayer. It says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Shalom. Right? Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And a lot of people know that 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 scripture, but they forget what he says next. Verse 14, he says, For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, including yourself, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. And it's real plain. 
And that's hard for people to hear a lot of times. Oh, you sure you're telling me if I don't forgive somebody, I'm going to go to hell? I ain't saying nothing. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. If you got a problem, go to him and wrestle with him on this. Not wrestle like in fighting or anything like that, but share with him where you're struggling. Let him, let him feel your struggle. He knows it, man. He knows what you're going through. He knows your regret. He knows what you did. He knows what was done to you. It's not on the cross. What did Jesus say as he's getting nailed? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. He's praying for them. Are you kidding me? No matter what, guys. No matter what. God does forgive. He will forgive. But he needs you to release this. And he wants you to release this. And in step and in this, as a result of these things, start walking and being used by him the way he has called you to be. No matter what, no matter what he's called you to do. Like, we've got to deal with this. I've watched people, like, deal with unforgiveness for things that were just terrible. And all of a sudden, they're hearing from the word, for the, hearing from God from the first time in a long time. Because they actually released it and let it go. It's awesome to see. I want to see that. I want stories of yours. So here's what I'm going to do. You've got that blank piece of paper. I see some, had, some, had a few people do this in the first service. You've got this blank piece of paper in your bulletin. We're going to play about two minutes of some music. And then we're going to take offering. Then we're going to be dismissed. But here's what I want us to do. I want you to write down. You can put your name on it if you want to. You don't have to. It's totally cool. I want you to write down what you regret. I want you to write down whatever that thing is that you have been struggling with, not able to really step into true, genuine fellowship with God because of this regret you will not let go. I want you to write it down. I want you to take that piece of paper. And now I don't want this just to be a symbol. I want this to be something that you're going to decide today. I want you to crumple that up and say, God, it's yours. I want you to come and throw it up here and let God have it. Look at all the people that have started this morning, guys. There's going to be some victories through this. Amen? So, Father, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity. You are an amazing God. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to release those things that we are regretting. I thank you for Charles this morning who decided to get baptized today. Man. That's one regret he's not going to have. And so, Lord, I just ask that you just lay on our hearts, lay on our minds. What is it that's holding us back? If anything, God, if it's if we've dealt with this stuff, man, hallelujah. Praise God. May we be a, a, a supporter and a communicator of those things to other people. But, God, most of us have something that we're dealing with that we will not let you have. May we let you have it today. And may you be honored by it. In your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Everybody in the house said, amen.
just take one more minute. Lay them down at the altar. Give it to God. Let him have it. He already knows what to do with it. Sometimes they'll say, there you go, man. Love it. You throw it from the back of the room, I don't care. It's awesome. If you hit me, I'll, I'll rebound. Love it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Being the kind of God that we can come back to. Being the kind of God that just loves us. Yeah, we got work to do. Yeah, you've got a commission to, man, absolutely, man. You've got a calling for a lot of us. Rock and roll. Love it. Love it. Let them fly, y'all. Let them fly. Love this, man. Right on. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come on forward, too. Keep them flying forward if you're still riding. It's totally cool. We do have a little bit of a of a lift up here in a second too, which is gonna be gonna be neat. I know that God does bring us from where we are, but he also brings us up to where he is. That's his idea, right? And so as we pray for this offering, I want us to to truly be, man, like our hearts overflowing with generosity. One of the visions we have for twenty twenty is that we're an extremely generous church. It's not just about money but it is definitely an indicator. And so what we want to do is give things to God, and man, this is already His. So let's, like, you think about what God has done. It's all His, and yet He lets us keep just a little bit of it, or lets us keep almost all of it, wants just a little bit back. It's crazy. If I was God, I'd want it all. (laughs) Thank God I'm not God, right? Man, God, Father, thank you. May this offering amount not be what pleases you. May you be pleased with us in our hearts as we learn to give you our regrets, Lord, as we learn to truly get, like, like let you have them. We ask that you just take this these funds and we ask that you take them, bless them, multiply it, and may it be used for your glory. And may we be stepping out of your way. It's in your son's precious and holy name we pray. Everybody said, in a couple of weeks, we've got a, a new series that's going to start. And this is a great thing called What Cappy Couples Know. Um, it's a pretty funny little video that we're going to have as we give the offering, as we finish the offering. And after the video, we're dismissed to pick up our kids. But um, I do want you to, to know this is not just for, single, for, for couples. It's also for single people about learning what it means to love other people. It's awesome.
It's going to be awesome. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Love you tons. Rock and roll. Dude. You ready yet? What's up? Jennifer, how old are you? Good, good, real good. How are you, lady? Good, good to see you, sweetheart. What's up? What's up? What's up? You guys have a good time today? Awesome, man. Right on, right on. Hey, good to see you. Thanks for getting the party started, man. Were you? Right on, man. Right on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's real cool. Real cool, man. Congratulations, guys. See ya. Hey. Be good, lady. Love you. Smart. Good to see you. I'll get back with you on that this week, though, for real. It means nothing to anybody. Okay. You got it, man. Oh, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Did he really? Man, no doubt. It's, oh, my gosh. Sue was just bawling. Heck, she had no idea. Even coming in here. Oh, Sue. Yeah, Sue. Connie. I don't know. Charles, yeah. It's so awesome.